Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. We're going to look in the Gospel of Luke, the fifth chapter, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And the title of the message today is Launch Out Into the Deep. Launch Out into the deep. Luke 5, beginning at verse 1 reads, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said, when he had stopped speaking, he said, I want you to get this. When he had stopped speaking, he said, this is what it looks like to stop speaking. But when he had stopped speaking, he said, to Simon. I hope you're getting that. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. Lord, what I'm doing is not working, but nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and, all, he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, 
you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. My prayer is that God would astonish somebody today, that he would astonish you. This takes place by the Lake Genesaret. The people were pressing in to hear the word of God. There's something about a press. I don't know about you, but there are times that I have to press my way. There are things that I don't feel like doing. There are things that I don't want to do, but God requires me to do it, and so I press. And I promise you in the presence of God before whom I stand and before whom I serve, every time I'm astonished. When I show up at the place that I would rather not be because I want to relax or do something else, every time I press and I show up, God has something there for me that I didn't expect. Could it be that the enemy of my soul is fighting to keep me from my purpose and from my destiny? And could it be that he does it to you? Don't give in to convenience and comfort. If you know God is telling you to go, if you have to press, then press. Somebody say, I'm willing to press. And see, these people pressed their way to hear the word of God. There are people who will press their way to go to a Jay-Z concert. How much more should the people of God press their way to hear the word of God? And when Jesus got there, the multitude was pressing, and he knew, I can't communicate with them the way I want to because of the press and because of the crowd. And so he needed some resources. Sometimes Jesus needs what we have, and it doesn't take much. In the beginning, he didn't ask much because he knows where we are. He knows where we are. And so all he asked of Peter was he got in the boat and he said, push out a little bit. Here, there's a word for some of you who only focus on the big things. You're ready to launch into the deep and you know you can't swim. There was a prophet in the Bible by the name of Ezekiel who had a vision that had to do with water. And he describes going in and it's up to his ankle and then up to his knees, and then up to his waist. And then he said something. Then the water was such that a man who can swim needs to go in. You need to swim. And the angel told him to turn around. What Ezekiel was saying is, God, this is over my head. If I go out here, I'm not coming back. We need to know when something is over our head because then God will make provision for you to do what you need to do right where you are. The mistake that so many people make in business, in ministry, and in leadership is they launch out into the deep when the Lord is just saying, push out a little bit. If he says, push out a little bit, that's enough. He, his, your little is a lot in his hand. 
And so they listened to him and pushed out a little bit. And he got in Simon's boat. Lord, whatever you need, if it's in my hands to give, you got it. Do something with it. He had just come back from an unsuccessful night of doing what he did for a living. He always did it and it always worked. Some of the things that worked yesterday are not gonna work today. You, get, you, you might as well get that in your spirit. So they, he's, he's done it over and over and he, it didn't work. And Jesus said, start it easy, just push out a little bit. And he got in the boat and he began to teach. Notice, Peter had no objection to that. He did it. The Lord will always start with me and you with something that we're able to do. Didn't take much. He's a fisherman. Just push out a little bit. But watch what happens when it goes a little bit further. But when we do with our little, what the Lord asks us by his word, it blesses the multitude. Because when Jesus got on the boat, he began to teach the multitude. And he needed the resource that Peter had. What is it that you have in your hand that if you just turn it over to him, he can bless the many? So Peter was a partaker of that blessing because he took his boat. There were two boats, but he chose Peter's boat. Why didn't he choose James and John's boat? There was a purpose because Jesus was working something in Peter. He knew his future. He knew his destiny. Sometimes God will ask you to do things that you may not feel like doing, but there's a larger purpose. And, he, and you might think, oh, this is not enough. Lord, I can handle more than this. Just push out a little. We need to learn to do what he says. Small beginnings lead to big futures. And so they push out. And there's no objection, and Je Jesus begins to teach. But after he stopped speaking, his ministry started. See, the ministry isn't with the multitude. Put up the picture of the multitude, please. Often, we look at the big crowd, and we think that's where it's happening. The crowd got teaching, but Peter and his partners got something more. They had an experience with God. If you want an experience with God, he'll come to you. He'll single you out. There could be multiple people, but when he calls you out, somebody said, when he calls me, I'll answer. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. So all of these people who were pressing, he got the benefit of Peter's boat to use as a pulpit. But when he stopped speaking to them, he said something to Peter. I, I promise you, one of the reasons I asked you to do some homework is because this principle is true. After the speaking is done, he wants to say something. A lot of people miss what he wants to say because they only want to hear the speaking. Lord, I want to hear from you. After Jesus stopped speaking, he said to Simon. Now, 
let's watch the step-by-step step because he wants to do something for somebody. That's the purpose of this teaching. He said, now launch out into the deep. Next thing, let your net down. And then he gave him the outcome for a catch. Peter had no problem with launching out into the deep. He just came from the deep. But he's like, Lord, why am I going to let my net down? My nets have been down all night. Do you know who you're talking to? I'm a master fisherman. I feed my family doing this. I take care of my community doing this. You, do you know who I am? Lord, I think you need to ask somebody. I know about this. He was a professional. Oftentimes, the miraculous goes undetected because we look for it in the crowd. We look for it in the wrong places. It was a miracle that they didn't catch fish where they were fishing at the time they were fishing. They were in the right place at the right time, and yet they failed. They failed. That was the will of God. Some of you feel like you're toiling, but God's got something bigger. He's got something bigger. He wants to show you a better and more excellent way. A better and more excellent way. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. He's got a plan for you that you would not see. If they would have caught fish, they would have been gone already. They would have missed him. They wouldn't have been there when he got there. But because they came back discouraged and despondent, it was they were cleaning their nets. And let me translate cleaning their nets. It was quitting time. They had punched their clock. This is how Jesus does. Now he asked them to do something. They're ready to go home. They're cold. They're tired. They're hungry. They haven't caught anything. They're probably thinking, how am I going to pay my bills this month? I was counting on this to pay my bills. I got nothing. I got to go home and tell my wife I was out there all night and I caught nothing. She might be looking at him side-eyed. I know you were out there all night, but were you fishing? What were you fishing for? You ain't never came home without a fish. You didn't catch a guppy, a porgy, a whiting, a bluefish, nothing. You caught nothing. So it, this was a stressful situation. And Jesus now asked them to do something that went against the grain of their know-how. Sometimes, as I said last week, he comes to challenge everything that we thought we knew so that we can know more in him. So he says, launch out into the deep. Cast your net for a catch. But Simon answered. When he asked him to do a little, he didn't say anything. He just did it. The Lord knew that that would be the response. But now he says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. We were out here all night, Jesus. We ain't playing no games. And we caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, 
I'll let down the net. He called him master. He said, master, because you said it, this doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't add up. I've already been where you're telling me to go. I've had failure, but at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, those are important words, Bishop, it's not enough for me to hear the word. I got to do something. It says, when they had done this, nothing happened until they done, they had done what he said to do. Some people hear it and they get happy, but they don't do anything. But the Bible says, when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. It was daytime, the fish can see you coming. There's a lot of stuff moving around, probably people swimming and splashing, no fish. But they caught a great number of fish and their nets were breaking. The same nets they were cleaning, getting ready to take home empty. They took at his word, they took those nets and put them back out there. Some of us are ready to throw in the towel. We're already cleaning our nets. I want you to know God said get those nets and put them over. If you'll just do that, you're about to get, your net is about to break. Your net is going to break. I'm going to fill it up with such a catch that you're going to be astonished. Here's what it says next. Ministers, when they saw this, they were astonished. The multitudes didn't see it. They were taught while he was speaking, but he said something to them. And when he said it, they obeyed, they did something. And when they did it, they saw something. See, the world says seeing and believing in the kingdom, believing is seeing. Because when I obey his word and then I do something, that's when I see. That's when I see. I don't have to walk around groping in the darkness and stumbling at the noonday. Because when I do what he says, my eyes are open and I will always and you will always see something. After you do what he says, that's when you see. God let me know as I was preparing, there are too many people claiming, naming and claiming and waiting and they're doing nothing. I'm telling them what to do, but they got their own way. They're like the fishermen would have been if they would have went with what they knew. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have put their nets out. They're like, Lord, this is futile. You're a great teacher, but you're out of your element. You know, Lord, have you ever fished? Have you ever fished? So I, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm talking about. Trust me, Jesus. Trust me. No, no, you trust him. Here's what the Lord wants somebody to hear. He's able to allow you to get a catch that will astonish you in areas that you're not qualified. The things that you know not of. He's already gone before you. He wants to break your net so that you can be astonished and know that it's him. This has nothing to do about me. Others are experts like Simon and John and James and Andrew, his brother. Although Andrew isn't named, we know that Andrew is the partner of Peter. So those four, 
he wanted to get something through. And Deke, he wanted to get something through to the four of them, but he only spoke to one of them. Sometimes we ought to just be quiet and listen. We're living in an age where everybody wants to know something. And when they hear something, they got to say something. And when they should be doing something. Stop saying something, listen, and then do something. We're in an age of fact checkers. They, everybody wants to say something. And if we're all talking at the same time, nobody hears. Let's hear him. And sometimes when he talks to one, he can communicate to all of them. And you know it's him when you don't have to say anything. God blows my mind all the time when he puts something in my spirit and I hear somebody else say it. Most of the time, I don't even tell him. I just, I rejoice. There are so many times on noontime prayer, a majority of the time, more than 60, 70% of the time, God puts something in my spirit and I hear it. The person doesn't even know. I go on, I stay on mute so I can talk to him and hear him more. And I rejoice. And sometimes it's just me and my tears because I'm, I marvel at the faithfulness of God, but you gotta hear him, and then you gotta do something. The reason I don't say anything is because he didn't tell me to say something, he's directed me to do something. When we're supposed to be doing and we're saying, we miss the mark. And you know what it is to miss the mark, don't you? Missing the mark is sin. It is like disobedience. If they would have, if Jesus said to them, let down your net, and they said, nah, Lord, we're not going to do that. That's disobedience. But they, Peter understood Simon. He went from Simon to Peter. He changed them right on the spot. Before he was the rock, he was Simon. He was a pebble. Then he was Petros. Luke takes us between Simon and Peter. Luke is a physician, and the way he communicates, there's always something. He wants us to see the maturity in the moment. He went from Simon to Peter in the same passage. There are times God wants to bring us up higher. He says, come up higher, but we got to take the first step, go out a little bit. Then there's something more challenging. He's going to tell us something that goes against our convention, goes against our knowledge base, goes against our expertise goes against our very experience. And the reason he goes against our experience so that we can have an experience with him. That's the thing, Val. He wants us to have an experience with him. That multitude experienced his teaching, but they didn't experience him. They experienced his wisdom, but they didn't experience him. And like last week, the multitude of the 5,000 who ended up in the synagogue, they, were, they experienced healing. The 4,000 experienced healing. They experienced the miracle of bread. But when they were confronted with truth, Jesus went from a mega church to a storefront because they walked away from him. But the same Peter, when he asked the 12, are you going to leave? Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter was able to say this because he had an experience with God. I want you to know, you can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. You can't make me doubt him in my heart.
That's the place he wants us to get, that we're steadfast, we're unmovable, we're always abounding in his work. And that requires an experience with God. And so there was so much fish, their nets were breaking. It was a great number. And they called their partners, come on over, bring your boat. Two empty boats now have so many fish, they're both sinking. They're sinking. And then something happened. Something happens when we're in his presence. He never said to Peter, repent. Did you see that in there? But when Peter saw something, when he saw something, he got down on his knees. He said, Lord Jesus. He went from master to Lord, another sign of maturity. Lord, he said, I was the master of my own fate. I controlled what I did, but now that I obeyed your word, you become my Lord. You reign over my life. Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Why did he have to confess that? Because he was in the presence of a holy one. He had an experience like Isaiah, who in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord. He saw something. He saw something. But first, after you see something, what always follows is that you hear something. In Isaiah 6, after Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, then I heard the Lord saying, Jesus, after he stopped speaking, he said something. You see the correlation? Isaiah the prophet said, I heard the Lord saying, who shall go for us? And whom shall we send? Was he talking to Isaiah? God was having a conversation among himself. See, when you get intimate with him, you can be in on the conversation with the Godhead. You can hear heaven speak, Bishop. That's the place I want to be. I want to know what God is thinking. I want his heart to be my heart. I want what he wants. And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. The, they followed him. Isaiah said, send me. Send me. I've seen enough. I've heard enough. I'm ready to go. And once he submitted, God said, go say to these people. See, when you hear what he's saying, he'll give you something to say. He told Isaiah, go and say to these people. Told them about their heavy ears and their eyes that can see and not perceive. Here's something else for you to see. Isaiah 6, 8 through 10. Look at that today or later. Put it in your notes. Isaiah 6, 8 through 10. So they saw something, they kneeled down and worshiped, Peter did, because they were astonished. And then the others were astonished, although Jesus was speaking to Simon, he was communicating with them all. That's what I love about him. That's why I wanna be around people who know him in the fellowship of, I'm talking about really know him, 
not people who just had knowledge. They're quoting stuff. They never had any experience with him. There's a deeper level of conversation when you engage with people who have heard something and who saw something. You cannot walk away without being blessed. And when you get two people who are like that, or three people, everybody walks out taller. Everybody walks out stronger. Everybody walks out wiser. Everybody walks out better. And sometimes we have to experience hard things to experience God. One of the women last night got up and what she said, there were so many great testimonies, but it stood out because she said, I thank God for this battle of cancer and I want to thank him for choosing me. I knew he chose me, chose me. He said, because all of you, and I don't know if everybody in there was churched, but she said, all of you have read the miracles in the Bible. You read the miracles, but have you ever thought about this? In order for a miracle to happen, somebody has to face hardship. And he said, God trusted me and he brought me out. So I tell everybody, I want you to know, I want to encourage somebody, your hardship is for the glory of God. What am I talking about? In John chapter 9, there was a blind man. I'm not going to come too close. I want to get closer, but I'm going to respect COVID protocol, but I feel something moving. There was a blind man, ninth chapter of John, put that in your notes, beginning at verse 1. And the disciples said, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents? Oftentimes, these are disciples. These are people who follow Jesus. And their logic, their theology was, if something bad happened to you, it's got to be because you did something wrong. They're talking to Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God who sinned, him or his parents. Now, they knew he was born blind, so you can cross him out. I know he was born in sin and shaping in iniquity in his mother's womb, but that's the nature that we all had. The, child, the baby couldn't sin in the womb. Are you with me? But they asked the question that tells you their theology was all wrong. Him and his parents, or his parents, Jesus said neither. He didn't rebuke, rebuke them for the question. If it was me, I'd say, that's the dumbest question. What in the world are you talking about? Jesus doesn't do that. He meets us where we are. And he said, neither. He said, this has happened to him so the glory of God can be revealed in him. In, in order for God to reveal his glory, it's got to be in a situation that nobody can fix. The doctor tried to fix it. They can't fix it. The, whoever the experts are, they've tried. The fishermen did what they knew how to do, but when Jesus spoke a word, their fish, so many fish, the boat started to sink. Some of the things that happened to you is for the glory of God. When Jesus said, Father, glorify yourself, he knew what he was asking. He knew the cup was bitter. I'm not saying that your cup 
is bitter. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Jesus understood what it meant for his father to be glorified. We don't want to be like the people who follow him because he provides for us. He feeds us. We follow him because he heals the sick. We want to be like they became. When they got back to the land, they forsook all and they followed him. We want to follow him because, Lord, we want you. As the worship team sang, we need you deeply. God, I depend on you for everything, things that I don't know and things that I know because you know better and you know best. You know more, so what I want to know is I want to know you more. I just want to know you more. I want to be closer to you. I want to hear the conversation in heaven. God, take me to that place that you took Isaiah. Lord, that's what I want. I want to launch out into the deep, but I want to take the first step. I want to go out a little. And even when it doesn't make sense, I want to come to the place where I say, nevertheless, at your word. I want to be, your word needs to be the authority in my life. Your word is authoritative. If you said it, I'm going to do it. I don't care who says, it's not the time to do it. I don't care who says, it's not right to do it. God, you sent Isaiah among the people for three years with his hind parts out. No doubt people said there was something wrong with him. But you were speaking to the people saying, I'm about to expose you. And your servant obeyed. God, give us the kind of obedience that we would forsake all to follow you. Because you have the words of eternal life. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.